Do you ever feel like technology is just a bunch of digital noise? It's important to know what it's really about. This is Telecom Talk with host Pat Pittman. Pat brings over a half century of experience in the telecom industry and has seen firsthand many changes, regulations, and new technology. Now, she answers your questions. Here's your host, Pat Pittman. We're here on Telecom Talk. Uh, today, we're lucky to have an expert in the cellular uh, ex- um, expense management. So I'd like to introduce Drew Poland. Drew, say hello. Hello, everybody. So what's your background when it comes to cellular optimization? <laughs> it's a good starting question. So I have a, a pretty extensive background. Um, so I will be turning 40 years old uh, in July, coming up here shortly, and started my career uh, in mobility uh, back when I was about 22 years old. Uh, so it was wow. right after college. And uh, it was my first, we'll call, real job uh, after school that, you know, had a salary and benefits and all that fun stuff. And um, ultimately started for T-Mobile back when they were pretty much a startup in their own days. Uh, And it was a great opportunity to learn the industry. Uh, It was the most inexpensive um, cellular carrier offering that existed in the market at that time, almost by 50% most of the time when we went up head-to-head. Really? Uh, so it was a kind of a, a great way to, to cut your teeth um, when you're promoting cost savings, even if, you know, to be brutally honest, the product was probably one of um, the more inferior marketing-driven. Um, so I kind of developed a process to get, you know, devices in people's hands to test them and quotes on pricing, and that kind of demonstrated that um, cost can carry a, a major factor in the marketplace and was really successful um, as one of the top T-Mobile sales reps uh, across the country with that product and service by taking a- an honest approach to sales so the customers expected what they were getting and um, you know had expectations and service levels that kind of matched that. So that's where I started my career wow. in mobility mm-hmm. and um, really learned the industry, got to see what all the other vendors were willing to do to try to win business and where the deficiencies were and, and the holes and the problems and the pain points. Um, and then ultimately, after uh, a year in corporate America working for uh, one of the major carriers, uh, myself and three team members decided to leave and uh, open up our first business in the mobility industry. Um, so that was kind of my, my first foray uh, into wireless, which then transitioned to um, also my first company uh, in the business. Wow. Um, I bet you've seen a lot of change in the cellular industry. <laughs> there is uh, yes and no. Um, the change really seems to be on the technology side of it, uh, and to be brutally honest, the expertise for myself and, and most of my team tends to be more on the rate and the cost side. Um, mm-hmm. That's why we're brought in as kind of experts, and I'm sure we'll get into some of that you know, a little bit later in the conversation. Um, so I haven't really had to keep up with the times on the technology component, but uh, what was kind of fascinating for me is... Even though I'll be turning 40 for my career, the only experience I've ever had is being connected 24-7, 365. Um, they put a BlackBerry in my hands on day one before anybody <laughs> knew what a BlackBerry was, including myself. Um, I think I had, like, the first version that existed. 
which then transitioned into a, a Trio 650, which, uh, again, I'm not a, a techie kind of person, but those who are um, hopefully are smiling at home because that was probably my favorite device in the history of mobility. Um, you know, had its problems and not quite matching the technology today, but uh, it's kind of neat to see that progression over time. But for the most part, the biggest change I've kind of seen um, in the industry outside of the technology, which is significant, is just really the way the carriers kind of view um, their business clients. Uh, and more so, instead of directly managing the relationships and developing relationships, um, we're finding they're trying to do more outsourcing and kind of getting themselves out of the management business uh, on the corporate side. So it's probably been the biggest shift uh, I've seen collectively over the last you know, 15 to, to 17 years. Does anyone tell their clients that they're not going to be managing it very well? Uh, in a way. <laughs> so every vendor is different. Um, so part of the reason I left T-Mobile, uh, outside of just some frustrations on the reality of <laughs> working uh, – for a corporate America entity that controlled my finances and could make, um, you know, compensation changes and other adjustments to my employment without um, notification or approval, some of that became a little bit frustrating. Um, the other issue I had, and this was uh, at T-Mobile specifically as my own experience, but I'm sure, and I know for a fact it's relevant to the other vendors today, uh, we were told 9 to 5, Monday through Friday, we are not to be servicing or supporting our clients. That That's what the 1-800 number was for. Um, kind of dating myself a little bit. Back then, there really wasn't a portal or online presence right. you know, for the vendors to provide direct support. It was predominantly a customer care center, which, um, as those who have experienced it, knows it can be brutal. Um, and that was one of the things that drove me nuts, because uh, I had a pretty good education in business and sales before engaging in that opportunity. And part of what I learned is you should be getting a percentage of your new clients from your current clients, and you do that by over-servicing, under-promising, over-delivering. Um, so that's what I tried to live by. So I used to get in trouble a lot in my <laughs> early days um, because I would be on the phone 9 to 5, Monday through Friday, you know, throughout that time here and there, making sure my clients' issues were tackled and resolved. And although that didn't bring direct revenue in, and that's what the gripe of management was, Always. it kept your client and it turned into new business opportunities um, where you had a good reputation for servicing. And that, that's what was always most important to myself and uh, my companies over the years. And that, that was something that was definitely deficient from the vendors. And um, can't, I couldn't even fault management, you know, my direct management. That was more of kind of an edict from up top um, that they felt their salespeople should be selling. They just didn't have the support services um, to really provide customers what they needed to have a, a good experience from start to finish. So that's kind of one specific example. Um, I'll fast forward to maybe five years ago. Mm -hmm. I would say AT&T Wireless Mobility has made a big push to outsource their mm, business, yes. uh, at least for the mobility arm. Uh, and for that reason, they were pretty blatant and transparent about it. Uh, if you emailed your AT&T rep, you typically got like a three-paragraph automatic reply that gave you a uh, litany of information on how you can self-manage your own account and how to leverage all the resources they have available to you. Um, and it wasn't even, you know, trying to hide it. It was pretty in your face, like, hey, we develop resources so you can take care of this yourself so you don't have to bother us. And that, that's really the <laughs> mantra. More and more of the vendors have taken AT&T more in your face. Um, you know, Verizon transitioning a little bit more to that. Um, and then some of the other vendors, uh, it's just really rep-driven. You know, so Sprint 
we'll see a high turnover on the reps um, well, sure. on the accounts, but we see a lot of over-eager, excitable reps that come in and want to do right by their clients, which is great. Um, you know, same on T-Mobile, but um, I would say for the, the two carriers we see most often in the corporate market with Verizon AT&T, that's definitely the direction it's consistently been sliding, you know, over the last five to 10 years. Do you know of any customer who's really proficient in self-managing their cells, their uh, cellular devices? Uh, absolutely. And oh, good. Uh, there's different ways to look at proficiency. So some of it's operational, just managing their fleet, making sure their users have the technology they need, workable devices, um, and they have really good processes in place. Um, others also uh, do as well from kind of a management standpoint on the financial side. What's kind of unique is there's just so many different layers and elements and variability within mobility that even folks that are doing an excellent job, um, you're still not going to capture everything, and that's just kind of the, the challenge in mobility. Um, and a lot of it's even experience-driven, just you know, kind of not seeing just your own account, but experiences you know, across many accounts, uh, many seasons. Some companies are cyclical um, or seasonal mm, based off sure. their upticks and their peaks and valleys, and you know, somebody needs to have experience navigating that. And if they haven't previously, you know, know how to use the resources that they have available through the vendors or support services to identify those things. But there, there's a lot that goes into it. But we do see some that do a, a phenomenal job. Um, sometimes it's on both sides of it. Sometimes it's on one. Um, but, yeah, ultimately, you know, there, there are folks and entities out there that do an excellent job self-managing their own accounts. Super. That's great to hear because, you know, not everybody wants, you know, to engage a, an expense management firm, unfortunately, for you. But uh, <laughs> sure. They just but, um, don't know. They don't, I don't think they understand the value that you bring to the table. Uh, that's been the biggest challenge of my career. So I, I've always joked around that I should be retired living in the Caribbean by now. Um, <laughs> we feel I agree we with you. A, <laughs> a no-brainer. Um, we have no upfront fee. It's all based off what we prove in savings. Um, but there's a lot of history, you know, before you get to a point where you get to present to somebody. Um, you know, in the Revenue share market where you're sharing savings with entities. Um, unfortunately, there has been a history you know, over the last 20, 40 years of different types of service offerings for cost reduction that have given a black eye um, on that type of uh, compensation. There's been lawsuits. There's been discrepancies. There's been fights. Um, yes. Some entities kind of have deceptive contracts where just by committing to the project, no matter what they present, you somehow agreed to whatever that number is, even if you don't approve or implement what they do. So we've kind of used all those examples to figure out what can we do to make our clients most comfortable, um, take all the risk out of it for them. And then even with that approach, um, we still can come across, you know, I say two types of personalities. Um, you kind of hit the, the nail on the head with the first one, which is, somebody that really does care about their job and their company and they want to do what's right by them, uh, and they do an excellent job managing the account. They just cut costs on their own. They just signed a new contract where they got additional benefits. But the issue is they don't know what they don't know, and it's trying to break through that um, to demonstrate how we can be a resource and helpful to even take you know whatever they've done and take it a little bit further um, and just kind of getting that opportunity. Uh, unfortunately, the second kind of personality 
um, can be maybe a little bit more obstructionist, where their fear is we're going to come in and cut a ton of costs, and they're more worried about looking bad than embracing the project, um, learning from us, because we do a knowledge transfer throughout our engagement. Mm -hmm. We will teach the client any strategy, unpublished rate, or anything that we leverage or utilize. They're all things that we'll do a knowledge transfer for the for their client throughout the engagement to make sure they know how to self-manage those things on their own by the time we've wrapped up. Um, so those are kind of all things that we've put into place um, to try to overcome those things and, and show them it's a collaborative type engagement. We want to do all the heavy lifting and just make it decision points for them. Um, but you know, our goal is to make it you know a significant impact. But we understand that. Sometimes things can sound too good to be true, and a lot of what we need to overcome is um, kind of the connotation that can come with that. So for us, it's always been being very open with sharing references. Um, and I would say some of my favorite references I hold, uh, we have a 10% minimum savings guarantee that we I saw um, that. insert in all of our contracts. And if we fall short of that, we contractually give our client the right to terminate the contract and there's no fee. Um, some of the references I love to give out the most are those clients that we fell short of that 10% metric. Um, the most recent one was one we were looking at 40000 a month in savings, and um, they were offered a unique opportunity to go on to a government-specific network that was going to create a similar amount of savings, mm -hmm. um, but was going to have advantages for the world of what they did business, which was in the utility space. Um, a lot of urgency that can happen there, a lot of mm. uh, essential nature to it, as we see with things such as the pandemic. Um, so we actually encouraged them to sign um, with that other option where our compensation was zero, um, but it was the best thing for them, and that's an example of a client that we hold on to um, for reference to kind of share with somebody else who's kind of concerned, well, how do I know the, you know this organization isn't going to create an issue if we fall short of 10% because we reject what they propose, um, which we get, and that's why we kind of keep those things in our Rolodex and you know, maintain those relationships you know, to help folks you know, overcome some of those concerns and, and hear it from somebody that's not us. So. Agreed. Um, it's amazing how many people push back on stuff. Even when you say, if I don't save you anything, you don't pay anything. Um, they don't ever seem to believe that. <laughs> that is true. Now, we, we do deal with that less and less. Um, however, you know, um, 40 started this at 22. So, I mean, it's taken 18 years and <laughs> I still get hit with it daily, but it's not quite what it used to be. So it's nice to kind of have that history behind us, but it still is relevant. And I would say still comes up on a daily basis. Yeah, absolutely. I know, you know, the cellular market is growing by leaps and bounds and has been for many years. How did the COVID um, pandemic affect you guys? That's a great question. So um, we've been impacted a lot differently than most other organizations, and um, we've been fortunate for, for quite a few things. Uh, the first one is, um, although we have a parent company and we do have offices uh, that we can utilize, um, we are predominantly a virtual company and have been since it was founded mm -hmm. 13 years ago. 14 years ago. So for that reason, we've already were set up to do business and operational, um, no different in capacity than before COVID. Now, what shifted with that um, is a couple things, uh, and I'll kind of tackle two sides of it. Let's start with the operational side. From an operational standpoint, we not only do cost reduction, but we assist with day-to-day -day and billing management um, throughout a bill cycle 
And with COVID has come two types of scenarios. Uh, what we found is 75% of our client base has experienced a dramatic uptick and increase in data consumption and resource consumption. And what I mean by that is there was actually clients requesting hundreds of new lines of service, predominantly around data-only devices, MiFi, AirCard-type devices, mm-hmm. and iPads, so they could keep their workforce that was used to having an office and you know a dock station um, functional and mobile and working from home. Um, some challenges with that is back in March, uh, MiFi devices for some of the vendors were out of stock until June because of the immediate crush. So part of it was... Um, Again, kind of exceeding service levels, um, not just looking at it, hey, sorry, there's no stock available to um, sourcing hardware for them through just hardware-only suppliers so they could get up and running. And um, it took a lot of time and energy and resources, and it's something we include as part of our program and services we don't charge for. Um, but it was providing essential services to our clients to make sure that they could maintain, be up and running, and grow their communications uh, as they were kind of starting from scratch in some areas for some of their user base. Um, so that, that's created probably about a 400% increase in servicing time for our staff. Um, we're actually hiring three additional people probably over the next 60 days. Wow. Um, because of the forecasting that we have with the increased workload, in conjunction with um, we've actually had the most sales volume in company history for a quarter over the last quarter. Um, which was surprising to me. Uh, we knew we were going to have a lot of conversations because people are driven by cost savings, but we figured because of the operational um, transition to a work-from-home environment and some entities just not being able to even operate at all and having to shut down, um, I thought I'd have a lot of cost savings conversations. We did not think we'd have a lot convert to projects until maybe the summertime. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of the, the surprise on our part at one point. We had 48 new opportunities registered in one week uh, of companies that wanted to talk to us, whereas that was probably more of like a two-month two number um, rather wow. than a one-week number. So it was um, fascinating to kind of see that. Um, to be fair, what I found was more the SMB, small business market, and kind of the fringe mid-sized market were those that were aggressively looking to sign contracts and start projects. Uh Um, We were having a lot of enterprise conversations, but we did find because of the operational impact and obviously a lot more to figure out, um, you know, to keep things going in that space, we're just finding now that the contracts are starting to happen, um, which is, again, ahead of pace of what I expected. I thought we'd start talking to enterprises in June and try to, you know, bring some of those on as clients by August, September, and it looks like we're going to be about two months ahead of that. Um, and okay. that's because everybody's looking at, you know, the declined revenues, and I, I feel like operationally they've dealt with most of what's on their plate, and now it's kind of looking ahead on, you know, how can we stop the bleeding and how can we cut costs without impacting functionality, and that's that's where we come into play. Okay. Um, as we look ahead, as we look ahead right now, um, we're going to take a short break to give our sponsors a chance to talk. Um, So we will be right back with Drew Poland and talking about uh, cellular optimization and some of the trials and tribulations that he has had during COVID. Again, stay tuned. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America. 
is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Every day in business, we hear jargon, see writing from so-called experts, and don't know what we should follow and what we should avoid. Now, there's a program to sort everything out. The 2020s Enterprise with Sam Holzman is the program that provides actual best practices, insights, and real-world solutions that help business executives, technology executives, managers, and staff using straightforward talk. Listen live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. You hear about it all the time. Compromises, destructive malware, major breaches. You can't turn on the news without hearing about the latest cyber event. Learn more about cybersecurity, how it has become one of the most significant threats to our national security, and the battle experts undergo every day on your behalf to protect you, your families, and your data. Task Force 7 Radio with host George Redis is the voice of cybersecurity around the world. Tune in live every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Telecom Talk. To reach Pat Pittman or her guest today, call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, send it to ppittman at stonegate-consulting.com. That's p-p-i-t-t-m-o-n at stonegate-consulting.com. Now, back to Telecom Talk. Well, hi there. Welcome back. Um, Today we're talking to Drew Poland about uh, the various areas of wireless expense management. Um, We were just talking a little bit about uh, there's not always just a positive side of increasing business and doing all the work to add phones. Um, What are some of the other things you do to help people during this, Drew? Sure. So, um, what I was speaking to before was really probably, you know, 75% of our clients has really been around centered on procuring additional services. And the only thing I didn't touch on there is an explosion, uh, an increase in data consumption to be specific and really having to manage the accounts very tightly on a day-to-day basis to prevent overages um, and overspending. On the other side, uh, about 25% of our clients uh, has gone the opposite direction, uh, which has also kind of accounted for the increase in operational uh, management and time for our, our team. And that's around trying to brainstorm for those companies that have been severely operationally impacted. Um, and a work-from-home transition is not possible, or at least today. And in those cases, there could be hundreds of devices that are not needed um, that the client does not want to spend money on. Uh, A lot of those are contracted devices that they're required to or they have termination fees. So a big part of what we've been doing there is helping our clients with a couple things. Some of it is asking the carriers for early termination fee waivers so we can eliminate lines of service. 
without them experiencing a, an expensive financial impact. Um, some of it has been um, coming up with some ideas on how they can divest some of the services to their employees who might like to take them over. Um, some of it's brainstorming on uh, doing a change of devices. So there's a client that had smartphones um, that were allocated for a specific function that they were not going to be able to perform over that time. And they also felt that they needed uh, tablets. So what we were able to do was help them transition those phone numbers from smartphones to uh, tablet technology. So that way they didn't have to add lines of service, they didn't pay termination fees, um, and they were able to go right into an application that enabled them to maintain business functionality uh, and actually have a decrease in cost at the same time. So a lot of what we're doing is just brainstorming with our clients, identifying what their end goal is, and then doing all the behind-the-scenes work to help them accomplish that goal in as most a cost-efficient way as possible. Mm -hmm. It could be divesting user base, could be helping them write BYOD policy and transitioning a percentage of user base to that. Um, and those are all services that we also include as um, our consulting that we kind of pair in conjunction you know, with our cost reduction. So none of our clients have paid anything extra for that type of consulting. It has been in a dramatic Good Lord, yes. in time and consumption of resources, but um, it's what they need to get through these times, and we recognize we're fortunate that we're incredibly busy. Um, I'd rather have this issue and be helping <laughs> others, um, whereas others are dealing with some much more serious challenges. <laughs> Absolutely. Nothing like being busy. <clears throat> um, what was it? Gonna, I just had the thought enter my mind, and I lost it. <laughs> okay. No <laughs> Um, what's your average size customer? So that's a tough question. <laughs> so um, I would say our average client falls in a pretty significant range, which is 500 lines of service to 5,000. And when I say lines of service, um, a line of service can be an iPhone, a Droid, uh, a tablet, an iPad, uh, a MiFi device, a basic cell phone. Mm -hmm. In today's market, there's a technology called IoT, Internet of Things, or M2M, machine to machine. All of those types of things build directly on a cell phone bill, um, and those are the areas you know that that we're assisting you know the clients with um, on that type of thing. So. Um, yeah, it's uh, essentially just you know trying to drill into it and help them, you know, generate savings on those things, but also kind of help them prepare, um, you know, for the directions that they, they may need to go with that. Is there anything out there that will help a smaller client? Um, that'll help a smaller client, absolutely. Yeah. So part of what we do um, is we do look at smaller um, opportunities that come in. Typically, what I find is the breakage is 150 lines of service. For over 150 lines of service, we're successful over 95% of our engagements to achieve 10% or more in savings with an average of about 27%. Mm -hmm. But under 150 lines of saving, uh, service, we're only successful probably about 60% of our engagements. Uh, and success to us is, again, that 10% minimum metric. Right. Um, or for the much smaller accounts that are spending less than 5000 a month, we also have a $500 minimum savings guarantee. So what we typically do when we're working on the SMB side is mm -hmm. we like to do a process called a pre-qualification where we ask for a bill copy first. We'll sign a non-disclosure before they share any billing information. And we just identify up front if we think we're going to exceed those metrics easily. Uh, if not, typically we'll provide some free consulting as a thank you for the opportunity, give a couple cost savings tips that might cut you know, $150, $275 a month as mm -hmm. a thank you for the chance. Um, but that's usually kind of the additional part of our process we'll add in there. 
um, to make sure we're not taking up somebody's time to go through a contract process and then ultimately not yield what we would call a successful engagement. Um, so that's how we tackle that to try to save you know folks time and energy and resources up front, and it's a, a quick turnaround that we can we can do that for. But for the SMB space, there's definitely a lot of reasons to to look into the mobility accounts. Um, that space tends to have the most options from a rate structure standpoint, and mm-hmm. that's where we typically find creativity is the biggest driver of cost savings, is taking a look at all the resources the vendor has available to them. Um, best example, there could be six to ten different rate structures um, on the carrier that they have where they all can be applicable to a, an SMB account with less than 150 lines. Um, and you can model eight different types of rate structures for that one account to identify what's going to work. Mm-hmm. Or you can even do what we call a hybrid approach. Typically, we find the maximum savings is going to come by leveraging two different um, cost saving, uh, two different rate structures within the same vendor, um, and just using kind of the analytics to identify which users make sense to go into which one. So that would be the biggest thing I would suggest that, and not being shy on contacting the vendor. Dealing with customer care can be frustrating, um, but what I will share is customer care is not trying to take advantage of people when they call in. If they ask for assistance to look at their accounts, again, the qualifications tend to be more on consumer and small business, mm-hmm. where I really do put trust in what they do say. Um, they will look out for what's in the best interest of the client, but they're usually looking at the most recent bill cycle. So the one you know kind of caution that we provide um, to our clients or to those we're just providing advice to, especially now um, in regards to the fact that um, there's a lot of different types of rate structure options and things out there that are tied to hardware and those kind of things, mm-hmm. just making sure that you're asking the vendor for all of the details behind it um, and that there's not kind of a, a gotcha to it but also making sure that there's flexibility to be able to make changes within that rate structure. Um, Because if somebody's focusing just on the most recent bill cycle, let's take COVID as an example. Uh, Again, 75% of our clients are experiencing almost 100% plus increase in data consumption. Mm -hmm. Um, To make a rate determination off of that is dangerous, where it could really expose them to a lot of overages uh, in the future or a dramatic overspending where maybe they add 300% to their data pool um, but because they do that, uh, ultimately, if they don't manage that a couple months down the road when they go back to normal, they could be overspending by 500 to $5,000 monthly uh, if they haven't accounted for the decrease in data consumption that happens you know, a few months later. Uh-huh. Wow. There's a lot to look at. There is a lot to look at, and uh, it's not just monthly. Um, again, with our team and our resources, a lot of it's been on a daily basis, especially as we get to the last five days of a bill cycle um, we're pulling information daily, um, sometimes really? multiple times in the last few days <laughs> to make sure that our client is ending up with the, the right structure at the end of the bill cycle. Because um, I don't want to bore everybody too badly with too many details, but part of what we do is we can backdate rates to the first yeah. day of the bill cycle all the way from the last day of the bill cycle. So we can correct issues that could be taking place. Um, our big thing is we want to make sure our client doesn't have data overages, but we want to make sure they're not overspending. So when we first started this, every client was getting a 20% buffer on their data so they could have an increase of 20% in usage without worrying about overages. As we got more sophisticated, we we realized, well, wait a second, our clients are overspending by 20%. We can manage this and monitor it closely all the way up to the last day of the bill cycle, build the pool size within a 1% buffer, 
But knowing we can backdate data and wipe out any overage liabilities, um, we can really help our clients maximize down to a percentage point where they're not overspending for services, but they don't have the risk or the concern about data overages. Um, so that's a, a big piece of what our management team is doing day in and day out for our clients. Don't the, don't the carriers uh, object to that about backdating things? Uh, no. So there's a couple of rules. Um, so if you're backdating something, um, it needs to be an increase in cost. So that's kind of one of the parameters there. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way that we're able to kind of the way most rates are structured, um, you have the flexibility to do that without um, kind of risking uh, essentially an overage or um, an increase in cost that's, uh, that's dramatic. There's just kind of some tricks of the trade on how you're able to do that. There are certain rates that you can't. So, like traditional unlimited plans, mm-hmm. you cannot put in at the end of the month and backdate it. Um, they won't take that data out of the pool. Part of the value that we drive for our clients, if we've identified things like custom or what we call unpublished rates, ones that aren't openly accessible in the market that the carriers don't publicize, we have one for one vendor specifically where we can get this um, custom unlimited data plan. We can apply it on the last day of the bill cycle. And even if they used 200 gigabytes of usage, which let's say a 100-line account may use that much data or Mm -hmm. 75 lines, we can wipe out all that data consumption by applying this unlimited plan on the last day of the bill cycle. Now, it is a custom rate that we do have to get an addendum to their current contract, Mm -hmm. something we've never been rejected, typically a two- to three-week process um, that involves about two minutes of the client's time. But those are kind of some of the unique things that we're trying to bring to the table that they can't manage you know that way today because those things don't exist in the market and it's our job to to introduce educate and then get approval to be able to use these things going forward i'm interested in about those unpublished rates how do you know about unpublished rates (laughs) good question probably the one i get the most um when we're talking to potential clients so our, probably our single biggest contribution to cost savings in the initial part of an engagement when we start an audit optimization is leveraging what we call unpublished rates. And when I use the term unpublished, um, that means it's something that exists in the market today. Uh, we do not need approval, concession uh, from the vendor. It's nothing that we need to have contracted uh, as an addendum or within the agreement. It's just something that exists that the carriers don't publicize. It's not on the rate cards. They don't embed them in the portals. Um, that they provide their customers to manage their accounts. Uh, And if they do their own rate of plan analysis, because they do have their own software and resources that sometimes will provide for their clients, those rates are not embedded uh, in those. So when they run their algorithms, they're not factored. So long story short, um, what we find is through the rates we've identified the market, and I'll kind of give you some background on that in a a few seconds, Mm -hmm. we're typically cutting 10 to 11% on average of our clients' monthly recurring or monthly access charges just by using more aggressive rates that already exist within their current vendor, within their current rate structure, and we don't need to, again, do anything contractual or get approval to utilize that. Where we come across these rates um, is really uh, most of it has to do with experience in the industry. Okay. Um, so sadly, I kind of shared earlier, I started in this when I was 22. Mm-hmm. 23, so that's 16, 17 years of looking at cell phone bills, and I'd say every month we'll see something new on a bill that we haven't seen before or in a negotiation, uh, a new rate that we didn't know existed all of a sudden becomes visible because it's presented. Um, so that's one way we come across it. Um, another way we come across it is sometimes the rates just aren't publicized. So 
Uh, as we deal with the carriers, uh, they share rate cards with us and things like that. There'll be uh-huh. rates that exist on those that aren't on the public ones, and it's just something we get kind of introduced to, and then we test out and identify we can use for our clients. Some of it's relationship-driven. Um, a lot of our clients are surprised by this, but we get along with the vendors. Um, <laughs> we don't treat them as adversaries. We treat it as a collaborative you know, process if we're working with them. And I'd say over half our engagements, we don't even interact with the carrier until we implement um, but because we take that collaborative approach, we're respectful. We don't come in aggressive, nasty, because you don't need to do that to be successful. Um, we also develop relationships with those reps. And I have some reps we've worked with for over 10 years on over 25 engagements. Um, and a lot of times they're kind of opening up um, you know, the jacket, showing us some of the, the more aggressive rates that exist that just aren't publicized. Um, you know, sometimes it may be a competitive situation where they really want to win a piece of business and, you know, we get exposure to something that hasn't existed before, um, but does now. And those are all things that we test out. And once we validate, we can use it as a blanket across the board for all of our clients with that vendor. Um, we start to put those things into place. Um, but those are kind of some of the examples. Experience, relationships are definitely a big piece of it. Um, and just the fact that this is what we look at every day. Uh, I'm actually proud to say we probably learn something new at least on a monthly basis. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sometimes it can be, you know, a a weekly basis. So all of that is an advantage that rolls up to our clients and, you know, that we just continue to grow and and find new ways to cut more costs and add more value. I understand mostly that that you can't, or I don't think people understand that mostly your contracts are on your hardware, not necessarily your plans. Uh, Correct. That's actually a fantastic point. So it's probably one of the areas of pushback we get the most um, as we're kind of going through the engagement process to to identify if there's a fit to do business together. Um, A lot of folks are used to just looking heavily at the contract, Mm -hmm. um, which is definitely an important piece of it, but Mm -hmm. it is just a piece of the puzzle. And that's the part that we find if we're talking to procurement versus somebody who's more involved with the day-to-day management of the mobility where some of that can be lost because they're so used to contracts, you know, being the end-all, be-all, and they do provide a percentage discount point and, you know, some overarching terms. Um, but where a lot of people confused, especially when we use the term unpublished rates, mm-hmm. is they'll say, well, if the rates aren't my contract, then I can't use them. And it's just not the way the mobility space works. And the example I always like to give is most people recognize a couple of years ago unlimited data options came out from the vendors. Right. And when that came out on one vendor, the next <laughs> vendor came out with it. Next thing you know, all the major providers offer that within a six-month period of time. Except for a couple Fortune 50 accounts across the country, nobody had those rates embedded in their contracts. Um, and those rates were even a little bit different. So ultimately, even though you signed your contract yesterday, if you see a commercial on TV for a new unlimited plan, you have the right to walk off the street into a retail store or call your rep and use that plan, even though it's not in your contract. So that's kind of the example I always try to use to Mm -hmm. demonstrate just because a specific rate isn't in your agreement, especially if you're seeing it on television um, or an advertisement or just on the website. That means it's accessible to anybody, no matter what your contract says. The only difference might be the discount level on that rate, um, you know, what your contracted discount is, right. what would be applied. Um, but that's definitely a, a big misnomer that we see out there that, um, you know, frankly gives us the ability to usually maximize savings, you know, higher um, than one might expect. You know, oh, great. Strategies. Okay, well, it's time for another break. Um, we're going to be right back with Drew. Let's talk a little bit this time about some of your successes. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so we will be right back with Drew. 
Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Tune in to the soul of enterprise, business in the knowledge economy with co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Klass. Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. The Soul of Enterprise is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel and simulcast at the same time on the Voice America Variety Channel. It's time to take charge of your own career path. But how do you get started? First, tune in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. Each show will feature national business leaders, tips and insight from Marie and her guests, career management tools, and a weekly career smart tip. She'll help you move forward, earn that promotion, get hired into the career you want, and brand yourself. The Career Confidant is broadcast live every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Tired of the Get Rich Quick or How to Flip Home shows? Are you ready to step up your game and invest in commercial real estate? James Nelson, a top New York City broker, will show you step-by-step how to acquire, operate, and profit. You'll also hear from real estate legends on how they made their fortunes and industry experts on strategies for success. Tune into Real Estate Investing, live from New York, on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Business. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Telecom Talk. To reach Pat Pittman or her guest today, call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, send it to P. Pittman at Stonegate-Consulting.com. That's P, P-I-T-T-M-O-N at Stonegate-Consulting.com. Now, back to Telecom Talk. Welcome back. This is Pat Pittman, and we're on Telecom Talk, and we're talking to Drew Poland of OpDecision. They are a cellular expense management company and they have some wonderful ideas and hit on a lot of different cost savings so drew why don't you tell us some of the areas that you look at for cost savings sure so happy to share some examples and i'll try to be kind of specific on what may be tougher to leverage um and what's kind of uh, much easier to access so that okay. way you know, the expectations are reasonable but um over 30 different areas we look at for cost savings. Um, what I thought I would do is maybe start with some of the easiest ones sure. that, frankly, folks can do on their own. Um, and happy to share that today to you know, help everybody get some value for taking some time out. Um, so the first one is, uh, and especially with COVID, this is really important, is the no-use lines. Lines of service that you're paying for on a monthly basis that have no activity. Now, every organization is different. Some of those lines of service are emergency backups. Um, some are mandates that are carried you know, as part of contracts. But for the most part, there's almost always a percentage of the user base, usually too high, that we just identify as having no activity that companies are paying for month over month. 
There is the ability through the carrier portals to pull no-use reports. Um, usually we suggest a three-month snapshot. If you see three months of no use on a device consistently, that's uh, a pretty good conversation piece to discuss if that's something that is required or needed going forward. Um, so something, again, that any company can do on their own. Um, what I'll kind of add to that is we even do kind of a secondary type of analysis on no-use lines where we consider lines of service that have, let's say, two minutes, one megabyte, two text messages of use only over a three-month period of time won't get picked up in that automated type report you can pull from the portal. So that's kind of the deeper dive type analysis that we do with those um, to really highlight for our clients, hey, this line of service may have been turned off and on two months ago. We saw one megabyte of use, which means it registered with the Internet. Um, we just want to make you aware so you can add that to the list that you're looking at to determine if that's needed. So that's um, probably the first advice I would give. That also can contribute a gigantic savings um, you know, to the organization really quickly. And then there's a lot of ways that you can kind of game plan that on the back end if they're under contract and there's ways to kind of mitigate and uh, avoid a lot of those expenses. Mm -hmm. That's the first example. Um, the second example I would say, um, we call it um, – rate structure, I'm sorry, uh, unique rate structures, and really all that is is creativity. So one of the things I spoke to earlier is some of the vendors have anywhere from six to ten different rate structures. Usually the carriers only put one, in some rare instances, two in front of their clients. Um, that's where we suggest that, you know, be your own advocate and ask for more of those to be modeled for you, or at least ask for the rate structure so you can see if you want to model some for yourself. But what that gives you is a lot more uh, options available within the marketplace. The one thing that I'll, again, kind of share a little bit of secret sauce with everybody, I would say probably four out of every five clients we work with have at least, um, usually, and when I say at least, it's normally two rate structures that we're leveraging within their current vendor. Um, and we do that because it might be 5% of the user base that we highlight to go into a different rate structure within the vendor based off their usage. Um, but that dramatically different part of the user base, there could be out of those six to ten different rate structures, um, some that are just built with features and benefits that perfectly match the utilization and behaviors of that line of service. Um, so if somebody's willing to take a little bit of a deeper dive, and again, you can work the vendor as hard as you're, you're willing to press them. It's just you need to stay on them to deliver the information. Um, that's where you can find a lot of creativity and flexibility to drive costs down and kind of do things of the account that you weren't able to do before when you had a more narrow range of one rate structure that was always put in front of you. So that's kind of a second one. Um, a third one would be um, what we call GPO programs. So this is kind of taking things a little bit further. Um, but GPO stands for Group Purchasing Organizations. Mm -hmm. uh, and essentially in the cell phone space, some vendors have pre-negotiated contracts that are industry-specific that provide you a 100,000 cell phone discount level and some additional custom pricing in those agreements. These agreements can be piggybacked off of at any time. If you re-signed the renewal yesterday um, and you're introduced to a GPO program tomorrow, you can still jump on that and take advantage of it, and it doesn't extend your contractual term, and you get to take advantage of that increase in discount level and, again, some custom pricing options that exist there. So that's something else that we would um, you know, suggest that, again, you can talk to your account reps, you can do some research on these organizations, um, but that's another area that we find can make a significant and gigantic impact for certain organizations and certain industry sectors. Um, the other thing I would say is a granular audit optimization. So that's another component of what we do that, honestly, you know, an organization uh, who's really diligent and attentive in addressing their mobility account um, can take a similar exercise. 
And when I say a granular optimization, what you're really looking at there is a line-by-line effort. What rates and features does a user have? And usually it's, it's built around features. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of features we'll see built on lines of service that as we track the usage over a three-month period of time, these features aren't utilized. Uh, and they carry a monthly dollar expense, and those features uh, are almost never contractual, so you can eliminate them at any time. So part of what we do is model for our clients what features are you paying for that aren't being utilized or what features are you paying for that we call consumer-based features, things like GPS navigation. Every smartphone has a GPS navigation free application embedded in it. Nobody should be paying for it. Mm-hmm. Or That's true. Slack or radio or Spotify or you know, things that are great on a personal level you'd expect on somebody's consumer phone, but not something a company would want to be paying for and they may not recognize or realize that they are paying for it. And some of those things could have kind of slipped down there over the years. How about the maintenance fee, the maintenance fee that they throw on? Maintenance fee, uh, insurance? Is that what you're referring to? Yeah, right. So that was actually what I was going to kind of wrap up with on the granular piece. So our best practice actually throughout all of our company history has been um, actually not to utilize insurance at all. Um, I would say that's become pretty common practice across the board. That used to be an area that we were highlighting for every single client. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had all these financial models available because uh, on the surface, you know, there was a knee-jerk reaction to a lot of it just because it's the way that things have always been done. Um, but as over time, that's actually kind of more of the opposite where we find it's usually straggler-driven where a handful of users got an insurance feature added in there at some point over the past few years, but it's not company policy. Mm-hmm. Um, that's usually what we see more often than not. And we find our, the line of thinking that we've had for 15 years is, is the popular line of thinking now. And it's really just capturing what lines did those things sneak into. Um, or uh, sometimes it's, you know, somebody but then an organization goes through three or four phones over the course of two years. Some of our clients will ask for assistance on um, kind of a, a handbook and best practices and things that they should pass along to their end users um, where they feel they shouldn't be paying for four handsets a year. And those are areas that, you know, we've taught some clients that you can get an insurance plan, but you can bill it back to your end user, you know, should you decide to take that accounting step. But some companies have had such pain points there that they're looking for programs or ideas like that. Um, to solve some of the pain points they have because everybody has their own, you know, experience that's unique to them. And, you know, a lot of it's adjusting and, you know, providing advice that's going to be applicable and assistant, you know, there. But um, insurance is something we do not recommend that anybody carries um, because one of the the things that people don't realize is with an insurance, you're paying that fee monthly Mm -hmm. for the duration of however long you have that device unless you cancel it. Then, if you actually need to use insurance, you're paying a deductible anywhere from 75 to sometimes $225 for the device. And then to kind of put the final nail on it, that device you receive is what's called a refurbished, which is, you know, a polite way mm-hmm. of being used device yeah. that um, was out in circulation before and is not brand new out of the box. Um, so part of what we try to teach clients that maybe had insurance features is we'll connect them with hardware brokers that carry refurbished and used hardware as well as new hardware, so they have resources to pay pretty much what they would for their deductible, mm-hmm. but they can avoid that insurance fee. Um, so that's how we'll try to help, you know, again, not only make a recommendation on cost, but also give some solutions on the back end should there be a need you know, to procure additional hardware because it's lost or broken or whatnot. Wow. So. You have a lot there. Um First of all, first before we before we have to wrap up for the day, how do people get a hold of you if they're interested in talking about expense management? 
Sure. Um, so a couple ways. Uh, first one, I'll, I'll share my cell phone number. It is 856-535-5427. Uh, name again is Drew Poland, and that's my direct cell line with um, my voicemail message on there, and you can catch me either live or leave a message on there and get back to you. Uh, another way is through email, which is Drew, D-R-E-W, at opdecision.com, and that's spelled O, P as in Paul. And then the word decision, D-E-C-I-S-I-O-N.com. Those are the two best ways to get a hold of me. And um, I would say 24 hours is a long time to get a reply. I usually try to return voicemails and emails within two to three hours of receiving them. Yeah, you're good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, with that uh, virtual history, uh, usually at a desk in the office. And um, it's just a matter of trying to respond to stuff in between. Yeah, I gotcha. Um, okay, give us a success story. Sure. Um, so we've been fortunate to have quite a few. Um, I would say the one that put us on the map um, was one of my favorites. Uh, it was a international pharmaceutical company. Um, we actually had permission to make their case study public, but uh, I'll maybe keep that for more on one-on-one conversations. Okay, um, that's fine. But they <laughs> they had... Just under 10,000 lines of service, they were 100% uh, iPad tablets. And what was interesting is they were working with two entities in the mobility space. The first one was Tango, uh, which is Mm -hmm. uh, known as one of the biggest TEM providers, telecom expense management software, um, which tends to have a misnomer of cost savings being a huge driver. It is a byproduct of what it does. But the most interesting thing about um, statistically about what we do is we average 27% in savings. Um, across all of our engagements, but if somebody uses a temp solution or a third-party mobility management, we actually average 32% in savings. We save 5% more than if they were self-managing their own account. Unbelievable. So Tango is, uh, it's, and um, our statistics are actually going, that delta is actually getting wider. Um, so we're just finalizing some calculations for the past six months, and I think it's going to be closer to 35%. Um, on what we're going to find on the TEM side uh, as we kind of aggregate the the left first six months of the year of data. So um, for that reason, um, the client didn't have high expectations going into it, and on top of that, Accenture was doing all their inventory and asset management for their hardware. So they had two biggest names out there in accounting Mm -hmm. and mobility, uh, and we came in and we cut $1.2 million a year off their spend with their current vendor. $1.2 million? Uh, yep, it came in at, uh, I, I guess I shot it a little high. We're at 98000 a month in savings is where we ended up. Wow. Well, that, so, that's going to wrap it up about for today. Um, thank you, Drew. I really appreciate your insight on all of these things. Um, I think you've given our listeners uh, a few things to lo- listen to and to look at so they can maybe cut a little bit of money off their cell phone bills. No problem. And would it be okay if I ended with one thing for five seconds? Sure. You got about that left. Not nonprofits with less than 250 employees, we donate our services at no cost. So you can feel free to use my contact information and get a hold of me, but uh, especially through COVID, happy to do our part to try to give back and, and help those uh, organizations hold on to more of their budgets. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Well, we'll see you next week at Telcom Talk. This is Pat Pittman. Thank you for today. Thank you. 
thank you for making Telecom Talk a part of your week. Be sure to join host Pat Pittman for another episode next Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll connect again next week.